Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. We all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp help.com slash gold the peter schiff show here i am for the third day in a row doing a podcast. It's market volatility that has brought me to the mic yet again. The Dow Jones down 525 points, a very volatile and technically weak trading day for the Dow. The market opened down. We quickly sold off to down a couple of hundred, but then we rallied back. We got positive. I think we were up a hundred, maybe more. And then going into the last hour or near the last hour, we sold off hard. Uh, The Dow was down, I think, close to 700. I'm not sure exactly. I had a busy day and I, I couldn't watch every tick. But then we got a rally, not all the way back to unchanged, maybe down, you know, less than 200. But then in the final 15 minutes or so, the dial rolled over once again to close just off the lows, right down 525 points, over 2% down. Not as big a drop as yesterday's drop, but coming on the back of yesterday's drop, it adds up. The transport's not down as much, 150 points. That's another 1.5% added to yesterday's loss. NASDAQ, some of the tech stocks actually rallied today, so that kind of helped the NASDAQ. Some were down, though. NASDAQ down 93 points, 1.25%. Russell 2000 down 30 points. That was just under 2%. The bond market actually was up today. Finally, we had a day where people were buying bonds. But I said this was going to happen, that eventually, if the stock market went down enough, there would be a bid in the bond market. And that's exactly what happened. But, you know, if the stock market stops falling, then the bond market's going to resume its descent. This is the same dance that we were doing earlier in the year uh, that eventually came to an end. But 
we're back where we started from. And so if we get stocks going up, then interest rates are going to go back up, which is going to scare the market. Now they're going to go back down. And so now people will buy bonds. And now if the bond market stops falling, then maybe there's confidence to get back into the stock market. And then it rallies again. But you know, earlier in the year, even though it wasn't the top, even though it actually turned out to be a correction, not the beginning of a bear market, it really began a stealth bear market. I've talked about the fact that better than 25% of the S&P 500 was already in a bear market before this recent downturn. So you couldn't see the bear market because you had these high-flying names that were making all the headlines that were so disproportionately weighted in the indexes that the market was able to make a new high. You had the generals making new highs, but the troops were in bear markets. Well, now those generals, you know, now they're in the battle. They're getting bloody too. Everything is going down. And so now I think the stealth bear market that started uh, earlier in the year is now becoming a, a true bear market. Of course, nobody thinks so. Everybody that I'm listening to is talking that it's just a correction in a bull market. The only guy that was on television today other than me, and I'll get to what, I, what my appearances, was Jeff Gundelach, who did a fantastic job on CNBC. You know, I'm blackballed from CNBC. I'm banned, so I can't go on. So he has to be the standard bearer uh, for the bearish case. And Pretty much, it's it's almost like he was doing one of my podcasts. I mean, he was saying a lot of good stuff. Of course, he he wasn't as po- as apocalyptic as me. He has to tone it down for prime time. Uh, but I think if you read between the lines, I think we're pretty much on the same page with a lot of stuff. He's just not quite as bearish on the dollar as I am, or as bearish on the U.S. stock market, or as bullish as gold. But he basically shared a lot of my concerns, and he got a lot of airtime on CNBC. So the audience got a dose of a perspective that they don't normally have. But, you know, the real standout today in the market was gold, right? The price of gold finally woke up or traders woke up and noticed how cheap gold is. And it rose by about 30 bucks today. Back over 1220 I think 1224 and change is where we close. Gold stocks also had a great day. Many stocks were up 8 9% or more. The index itself, the GDX, was up just under 7%. Now, I heard some people talking about, aha, this, this spike in the price of gold. Maybe this shows some fear, and this shows that the, you know, the, the correction is over, and it's time to buy. A $30 up move from this low level doesn't show any fear. To me, the fact that gold is still this cheap shows that there is tremendous complacency out there. Nobody is worried. Everybody says it's just a correction. Even Donald Trump is talking about how this is just a correction. Of course, he's blaming the correction on the Fed. And of course, if it turns out to be a bear market, he's going to blame that on the Fed. You know, he called the Fed crazy yesterday and he called them crazy again today. In fact, he called them loco too. You know, so he's calling them crazy in two languages. Uh, But he also said a lot of interesting things, other interesting things uh, in the interviews I saw. In fact, one of them, when he was criticizing uh, Powell and and talking about how he was making mistakes, he said, but I'm not going to fire him as if he can fire him. Now, I don't know if Trump thinks he could just fire the chairman of the Federal Reserve and replace him with somebody else at a whim. 
he can't do that. I mean, he thinks he's on The Apprentice and that um, Powell is just one of the contestants. I mean, technically, you are allowed to fire a Fed chairman for cause. But cause is not because you don't like his policies. Cause is not he's raising interest rates and it's screwing up my chances of getting reelected. That's not cause. I mean, that would destroy the pretense of Fed independence if you can remove a Fed chairman because you didn't like what he was doing for political reasons. If the Fed is supposed to be independent, yet, of course, Donald Trump was saying that he's smarter and knows more than um, a Powell anyway. I mean, maybe he thinks that he should be chairman of the Fed and the president of the United States at the same time. You know, when Erdogan was saying stuff like this down in Turkey, traders had enough sense to smack the Turkish lira uh, when they heard these kind of comments because they believed them. Now, apparently, they don't believe these comments. I mean, the dollar was down today. Uh, it had a decent decline, but nothing like what should happen based on the cavalier way with which Donald Trump is talking about potentially firing the chairman of the Federal Reserve because he disagrees with his decision to raise interest rates. And in fact, one of the interesting observations that Donald Trump made is he said that you know, that uh, Barack Obama had it easy, that he was playing with, with, with funny money, that he had 0% interest rates. So he was able to preside over an economy where money was free. And so the bar was very low for Barack Obama. But he's saying now interest rates are going up while I'm president and it makes it a lot more difficult for me because now we have to deal with higher interest rates. That is true. And in fact, when Donald Trump, again, I mentioned this on the last podcast, when he was a candidate for office, he said that the Fed was being political, that they were keeping interest rates too low to help Barack Obama, and it was inflating a bubble, and it was going to lead to a disaster. He was right, but now he's upset that the Federal Reserve is not doing for him what he correctly criticized the Federal Reserve for doing for Barack Obama. But of course, since the president knows that interest rates are rising, he should be conducting policy to prepare for the increase in rates, which means cutting back on government spending, which means reducing the debt, like he alluded to the other day. Hey, I wish I had a chance to pay off some debt before the rate hikes. Okay, well, you blew your chance to do that because you cut taxes and increased government spending. Now, would it have been easier for him to do all this eight years ago? With interest rates were at zero? Sure, but you can't play that hand. That's not the hand he got dealt. The mistake he made is claiming credit for the bubble. In fact, he pointed out correctly again today that the economy was on the verge of collapse when he was elected. And he is right. Right? GDP had slowed down to 1%. We were going into recession. You know, People make fun of me for the fact that I was predicting recession back then. And if Hillary Clinton had been president... I would have been right. We would have been in recession. Now, Donald Trump said because he was elected, the economy avoided collapse. And he's right. It did. But not permanently because he did not fix the problems. He just bought us some more time. But now the collapse is still going to come. It's just that we're going to collapse from a much higher precipice, which means it's a bigger fall, which means it's more damage because he did not do anything to correct the problems. All he did was cut taxes and increase government spending. And that bought us some time because it allowed us to take on some additional debt, 
right? It's like a drug addict who was able to take more drugs. And, and so he, you know, he postponed uh, the hangover. Well, this is going to be a massive hangover. This is going to be a sequel to 2008. And just like every sequel, it's going to be bad. It's going to be much worse than the original from the perspective of the economy and your typical investor because the problems have gotten so much bigger. Again, everybody is talking about how the economy is in good shape. You know, I was on today on Fox Business with Liz Clayman. And in fact, Liz Clayman yesterday on Fox Business she was reading one of the tweets. I've been doing a lot of tweets the last couple of days. So if you're not following me on Twitter, you're missing out on a lot of good stuff. So go and uh, you know follow me on Twitter. So Liz Clayman actually read one of my tweets live on her show. And she went like commercial free uh, for the closing bell. And, and so they were talking about it. And so she, today she invited me to come on the show to be there in person. And so I was there uh, for, I guess, the last 40 minutes of the show. But there were so many different people on. It wasn't like I was talking for 40 minutes. But I was on. I uh, had a couple of segments on the show. But everybody else that was on was pretty much bullish. Everybody thought that this was a correction. You got to buy. That it's a mistake to fade the U.S. That the U.S. economy has never been better. I mean, people are completely clueless so much more more so than they were in 2008. In fact, reminiscent of that, Larry Kudlow, right, came on CNBC today and he did a long interview, right? Now he's, you know, economic advisor to the president. He had the White House uh, in the background and he's standing there talking and he's saying this is the greatest economy ever. You know, we are killing it. We are crushing the rest of the world, that everything is great. We owe it all to Trump. There's nothing to worry about. You know, just I have not seen him this bullish since just before the 2008 financial crisis. He was the same guy when Bush was president. He said the same nonsense about the Goldilocks economy, the greatest story never told. I mean, he thought everything was great. Nothing could go wrong. Him and his pal Art Laffer, who bet me that penny, these guys were so bullish on the economy. It's the same Larry Kudlow. He's just wearing a different hat. Now he's cheerleading the, the, the president from the White House. Instead of from the bleachers, he's actually in the game. But it is the same nonsense. It's amazing. People can't see what's happening in the housing market. They can't see what's happening in the auto market. And they just don't get it. You know, I mean, even Liz, before I got on, she was talking about higher interest rates in the past. And she remembers how mortgage rates were 12 or 14%. And so why are we caring about rates going up to 2% or 3%? They're still so low. So what's the big deal? The big deal is back then, we didn't have all this debt. The only reason we've been able to survive with all this debt is because those interest rates have been kept so low. But now that those interest rates are rising, it is exposing the problem that the debt is unserviceable. I mean, it's always been unpayable. I mean, if we actually had to pay the money back, that's impossible. But at least we could service the debt until our creditors wanted our money back and then the Ponzi scheme would come to an end. But with so much debt that we have now, we can't even service it. That is the problem. And it's not just the federal government that's levered up. It's corporations. It's individuals. It's amazing to me that you can have such an obvious problem that's so enormous and uh, so many people don't see it. But, you know, it was the same thing in, in, in 2008. But at least back then, at least going up to 2008, 
people were worried about the rising trade deficits. They were worried about the rising budget deficits because the dollar was going down. It was at a record low. Gold was bid up to a record high. Now people are so clueless, even though the budget and trade deficits are bigger now than they were back then, nobody is worried. So this is maximum complacency. And the fact that people think a $30 move up in the price of gold shows capitulation, that people are finally afraid, they're not even close to being afraid. Nobody is panicking. Believe me, by the time that happens, the price of gold is going to be much, much higher, and it's going to be moving up in much faster clips. So, look, we've had a sale on gold for a long time. I think the sale is coming to an end. right? And so if you were thinking about buying some gold, buy it. If you're thinking about buying gold stocks, now's the time to get in. You know, I've got my gold fund uh the Europe Pacific Gold Fund, EPGFX, is the, the symbol on the fund. I'm not really allowed to talk about it, but you could look it up. You could research it, uh, Morningstar, Bloomberg. Uh, but I've always said that if you're going to buy gold stocks, I think you're better off having a professional manager portfolio, especially if you're going to get into the junior mining stocks, because obviously there's a lot of landmines uh, mixed in with those gold mines. You got to know the good stuff from the bad stuff. So I think it's better to have a professional. And I don't even do it. I hired Adrian Day as my sub-advisor because I realized that this is a highly specialized area. And so I wanted to find the best manager to manage my gold fund. So even though it's managed by Europe Pacific Asset Management, I have Adrian Day as a sub-advisor because he, he eats, sleeps, and drinks uh, gold stocks. He's been doing it for 30 years. He's been doing an excellent job. And that's why I hired him to, to do that job for me and my clients. But one of the key things that actually happened with gold today that probably nobody is talking about, but I'm going to talk about it, and it had to do with the relationship of gold to Bitcoin. You know, while gold was rising today up about 3%, Bitcoin was going in the other direction. It was down about uh, 5%, or at least it was the last time I checked, price of Bitcoin was just around 6200 And it got as low as 6050 or so during the day. So we finally broke out of the narrow range that had been in. You know, I actually saw some fools on CNBC trying to argue that we had just built this base and that this narrow trading range was just laying the foundation for a big rally. I mean, to me, we were just waiting for a big drop. I mean, you don't have all night and day to buy the lows. To me, we were just biding our time, waiting for the next move down. And that's exactly what we did. But Bitcoin is still holding support, right, at around 6,000. If you measure the support in terms of dollars. But since Bitcoin has been marketed as digital gold, right, as an alternative to gold, as a disruptor to the gold market, and of course, I don't think it's digital gold. I think it's digital fool's gold. But if you're really going to compare it to gold, and if that's how it's being sold, and if people are buying it as an alternative to gold, then rather than looking at the price of Bitcoin in terms of U.S. dollars, you should look at the price of Bitcoin in terms of gold. And that also makes it easier for people all around the world who have different local currencies to kind of value Bitcoin in terms of gold. And so while Bitcoin has been building a base around 6,000 against the dollar, if you look at a chart of Bitcoin versus gold, and I'm going to post that chart on my Facebook page. So again, if you're not on my Facebook page, 
follow, you know, friend me on Facebook or whatever it is, follow me, and you could take a look at this chart. But it is quite ominous. And if you're long Bitcoin, you better look at this chart. And if you're, you know, if you're smart, you will get out before it breaks even lower. But as uh, Bitcoin has been holding around six thousand in dollars, it's actually been trending down and making lower lows in terms of gold in a type of a pennant formation. And today, with the big move up in gold and down in Bitcoin, we broke through the bottom of that pennant. And if you look at that chart, there is another big drop coming in Bitcoin and all the other cryptocurrencies. But what's more ominous than that, if you look further down, there is another uh, trend that where the support, based on the current price of gold at around 1224, Bitcoin needs to go down to around 5,000 to hit that line. Now, of course, if the price of gold goes up, then that line is going to move up. But if Bitcoin breaks through that channel, the bottom end of that channel, which I think it's going to do, then Katie bar the door. Then you're going to see a real drop in the price of Bitcoin. Another big leg down, thousands and thousands of dollars down in the price of Bitcoin. And this makes sense, right? The Bitcoin bubble has already popped. Now we have the stock market bubble pop. The speculative assets are coming down. The air is coming out of the bubbles. And that includes Bitcoin. And I've always maintained that when gold breaks out, Bitcoin breaks down. And that is exactly what might have just happened. And so this is the worst thing that could happen if you're in Bitcoin. Now, the good news is you still got time to get out of your Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency you happen to own and buy some gold. You can call up Shift Gold, buy some physical gold. You know, we work with that company, BitPay. Um, a lot of people say, oh, Peter's a hypocrite because, you know, Shift Gold takes Bitcoin. No, we don't. We just use BitPay to make it easier for people who own Bitcoin to use their Bitcoin to sell them to get some dollars to buy some gold. So you can get out of your Bitcoin now and buy some uh, buy some gold and silver. Certainly, if you bought Bitcoin a long time ago and you have a profit, congratulations. Uh, you got lucky. Get out. Take your profits before the market takes them and compound them by owning some gold and silver. If you were you know, unfortunate enough, you got suckered in uh, to the market, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000. Hey, you made a mistake, but you got to get out. Don't make another mistake of holding and hoping that you're going to get even because you're never going to get even. You're going to go down with the ship, but you can get even on your Bitcoin losses with gold or silver profits. So you got to trade up, take your losses and move on. In fact, open up a gold money account. That's a great way to do it because you can fund your account at gold money with Bitcoin very easy and you convert it into gold, silver. And now you also have an asset. You can carry it around on your on your cell phone, right on your smartphone. You can transfer ownership of gold to anyone you want, anywhere in the world for free. You can get a free debit card that you can carry around in case you ever need to access your gold or silver. So you can do all the stuff that you do with Bitcoin, except better because you actually have a legitimate store of value. But this breakout in gold right, is bad news for all the people who think that Bitcoin is going to disrupt gold because it's gold that is going to disrupt Bitcoin, along with everything else, people who have been underweight gold or don't own any gold because they think everything is great. You know, we got the inflation numbers that came out today, the CPI, and it came out up just one tenth of a percent, which was a little below the two tenths of a percent that people were expecting, which, of course, is meaningless. And who cares about these numbers anyway? But gold actually rallied based on the fact that inflation was less 
than what people thought. What's really bullish for gold is when inflation is more than people think. And traders are going to learn that inflation is good for gold and it's bad for the dollar. But ironically, you know the reason that the CPI was only up 0.1, one of the big reasons, was because we had the biggest drop in used car prices in 15 years. Why are used car prices crashing? Because there are so many of them on the market. Because people can't afford to keep them. People lease cars they couldn't afford. And now the lease is up and they're trying to sell them. And, you know, the sales are falling. This is part of the auto bubble popping, just like the housing bubble popping. So it's temporarily masking some of the inflation. But consumer goods are going to continue to get more expensive uh, due to the inflation that already exists. And of course, as the tariffs kick in, because a lot of the tariffs haven't affected prices yet, because since the tariffs have been enacted, you know, we've been buying stuff that was already imported. You know, businesses have inventory and that inventory was purchased before the tariffs existed because the tariffs apply as the goods come in. So as businesses sell what they have and now they have to import more stuff, that's when the tariffs really start to bite and they're going to be added to the cost of goods. So not only is inflation going to be driving up prices, but the tariffs, the taxes are going to be driving up prices. But, you know, getting back to gold, I think this is going to be the perfect storm for gold because it really doesn't matter what happens. I think gold goes up because you've got two possibilities. Right. Either the Fed continues to raise interest rates and continues to shrink its balance sheet, in which case the stock market keeps going down and people buy gold as a safe haven as a negatively correlated asset or the Federal Reserve panics. They cave in. They decide to stop hiking rates or they cut rates and then gold goes ballistic. Now, of course, as I said on the last podcast, I don't even know if a Fed rate cut at this point would help the markets. I mean, I think it would actually hurt the markets. Now, if they waited till the markets were already cut in half or more, then maybe it would help. But where they are now, I think it would just throw fuel on the fire. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe more monetary heroin would, would cause a bigger rally. I don't know. But the one thing I know for sure is that if they do that, the price of gold is going ballistic. Right. And the price of gold stocks are going even more ballistic. So there's no point in owning U.S. stocks, because even if the Fed tries to save them with QE, you're going to make much more money in gold or gold stocks than you will in U.S. stocks. And if the Fed doesn't save them, then they're going down. So why own them? So you got to get out of the market and everybody is saying, oh, you got to buy the dip. You got to buy the dip. That is the mentality that everybody has been suckered into because they've been rewarded every time they bought the dip because we made new highs. Well, that works every time until it doesn't like it didn't work in 2008 it didn't work in 2001 when the bottoms dropped out of the market but then investors got bailed out because the federal reserve was able to inflate a bigger bubble well we've just inflated the biggest bubble possible there is no third act right there's no way they can one-up what they've already done this is the end of the road right so if you get this wrong then you're not you, you that's it so you got to get out of the out of the uh, out of out of the dollar into gold, and of course these foreign stocks these foreign stocks are on sale because there's going to be such a rally around the world when the dollar tanks and all the pressure is off. You know Donald Trump again. One of the things that he said today in an interview, he said the Chinese have been living too well and that. 
the days of the Chinese living well were going to come to an end, meaning that, you know, they've been taking advantage of Americans all these years. And now that's coming to an end, right? That the gravy train is over and now we're getting tough and we're going to create more pain for China by upping the tariffs. Trump once again has it backwards. It's not the Chinese who have been living too well. It's the Americans who have been living too well. And it's been the Chinese who have enabled it. And not just the Chinese, but people all around the world have been subsidizing Americans, right? Everybody could admit that Americans live beyond their means, right? What is the definition of living beyond your means? You spend more than you earn. And how do you do that? You borrow money. Well, we're the king of borrowing money. Remember, Donald Trump said he's the king of debt. Well, you know, all of his subjects, you know, are also in debt. We borrow. We live beyond our means. We pay for things that we can't afford, and we promise to pay them off in the future. It's like Wimpy from the old Popeye commercial. You know, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, except we never pay Tuesday. We just keep asking for more credit so we can keep eating hamburgers that we can't afford. So Trump has it wrong. It's Americans who have been getting away with this. It's Americans who have been living well, and the Chinese have been living beneath their means to make it all possible. So what Trump is actually going to help trigger, and it would have happened anyway, but now it's, you know, we're leading the parade instead of, you know, getting, you know, getting attacked by a mob, but the dollar is going to collapse and the trade deficits are going to shrink because Americans are going to be too broke to afford anything. And the Chinese and a lot of other producers are going to stop giving American stuff on credit. And now they're going to start consuming stuff themselves. They're going to actually start living better. They're not going to have to live beneath their means anymore. They're going to be able to live within their means. In fact, since the Chinese have been saving for so long, they're going to actually see an increase in their collective standard of living. It's the Americans who you know, have been on the global gravy train. It's Americans who have been living artificially well. And those days are going to come to an end. And what's so unfortunate is if they come to an end over the next couple of years, obviously Donald Trump is going to get the blame. And I don't think the whole crisis is going to unfold in the next two years. I think the worst of it is going to happen after Trump is no longer president. I mean, things are going to get bad, right? He is the Republican Jimmy Carter. He's going to be out in one term. He's going to be blamed for all of these problems, fairly or unfairly. I mean, he's the fall guy, even though he's trying to deflect that uh, to the Federal Reserve. I don't think that's going to resonate with the voters. But I think the worst of it, thankfully, will probably happen under the administration of whatever socialist follows Donald Trump in 2021. That means the last chance and probably the only chance we will have to regain our country, to regain our freedom, and to try to rebuild what generations of politicians and central bankers have destroyed is going to be 2024. That's going to be the chance. And that might be our only chance to really try to reclaim this country and make America great again. Because believe me, If you thought America was bad before Trump was elected, where do you see how much worse it's going to be when his successor is finished with it?